Hey, what's up? It's Aiden Taco Jones here. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 7th of May. The year is 2019, and actually I'm recording this on Monday, sitting in a chair at um, my mate's place, uh, fucking <sighs> Colin Ebsworth and, uh, and Sam Cribb letting me crash on their couch in Perth, which is real nice. i got my peppermint tea here, and I'm staring out the window um, at what is to be this place is on a fucking steep ass hill man oh that's still a little bit too hot um the place is in scarborough in perth just near the beach and uh i love like i love a hill that's on like a road that's on a hill where you're like most cars couldn't get up that surely not i don't know i'm bad at guessing like degrees or whatever but I just, I, I remember going up a hill uh, with a mate around Christmas in Adelaide, going up to this like little lookout thing, uh, I think it was called Sky Point Lookout in Adelaide, and the car couldn't get up the hill, and it's like, why do they make, whose fault is that? Is that the fault of the car manufacturer for not making a car good enough to get up the hill, or is that the fault of the people who make roads for making the road too steep, or do we just admit to ourselves that some roads aren't for all cars? Some cars are better than others, and and we just need to admit that, you know. <laughs> I really started to. That's like almost a political analogy. Do you know what I mean? I'm gonna, I want to try and run as far away as I can from that. <laughs> Some people just can't afford good enough cars to live in these kind of places, and so those people just aren't good enough people to live in this. <laughs> it's like if you can't afford a car that can climb that hill then you can't live on that hill. That makes sense. It seems reasonable, right? But I'm sure someone would still be angry about that. Well, we should be trying to live in a society where, where everyone has access to every hill and there are no hills that are blocked off from any one class of people. <laughs> what job? I mean, I was about to say, what job would you have to do to not be able to afford... Comedian, it would be that job, considering I've never owned a fucking car in my life, I've never even considered owning a car before, it's almost like, I guess like I'd travel too much to have a car in one place, but I mean just, I I have this idea in my head that like owning a car isn't for me, it's not something that my life involves, you know, I've never even considered owning a car, I've always had that fanciful notion, imagine if I owned a car and then I very quickly go, no, 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 but I've got a lot of other things that I want to own first, you know. I've never, I've never been at a point where I've had money and the first thing that I've thought to spend it on would be a car. But I would fucking love to have a car. I got plans with a mate back in Melbourne. We're going to go out into the country and do, you know, do like a little trip. Maybe go to a winery or something. And we're going to have to hire a car to do that. And I would never be able to do that if I... I mean, I, I would be able to just fucking do that if I if I had a car. I haven't looked at the finances of it though. Like, I wonder how many times in a year you would need to hire a car before buying a car and just owning the car for the whole year becomes cheaper. You could graph that, surely. I guess I'm about to find out in a couple of weeks when I go back to Melbourne and I, I fucking hire this car and do this weekend trip. I guess I'll find out exactly how... Um, what the what the fucking what the financials are in the situation how the numbers stack up yeah anyway the the, the house is on a hill 
is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking out this window here, sitting at, uh, I'm going to guess this is Colin's desk. That might be way up. There's a bunch of like goals written on the wall and that seems like a Colin Ebsworth type thing to do. These guys are both comics from Perth. They're best mates. They live together. Uh, they actually, their vibe reminds me a lot of Blake and I, to be honest. When uh, So me and, uh, me and Sam just went up to Exmouth in the northwest of Australia um, for uh, just for a night to do a gig in Exmouth and we got back. I'll talk about the gig in a sec, but we got back to the house and... Uh, you know, I'm crashing with these guys for a few days and <laughs> Colin just, we got in and I like put my stuff down and I was like, oh, I wonder if Colin's here and he just came out of his room wearing just his undies, like walking down the hallway like a crab, just like, gah, 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 gah. <laughs> I was like, oh God, what the fuck is going on here? Um, yeah, these guys just live in a small flat in Scarborough near the beach nice place and uh and the the fucking vibe like the banter that they have like i can't remember what what sam said something like um they were trying to figure out you know like what are we gonna do tonight and sam was like oh maybe we should go get ice cream and colin just went like just straight up mocking him to his face that's the most fucking childish shit to do i love that so much just childish mocking of your close friends to their face whenever they say anything. Don't even let them get a word in edgewise. <laughs> oh, my name's Sam and I'm stupid. <laughs> it doesn't get any more childish than that. That's what it's all about. I um, well, man, when we were in when we were in Exmouth, we so we went up to Exmouth for the gig on the, at the Froth Brewery. Oh my God, those guys at the Froth. In Exmouth, if you get the chance to go up to Exmouth, it's, um, I guess if you know Australia, it's kind of like up near Broome, but not really. It's like 13 hours north of Perth in a car, uh, or a two hour flight. Still in, still in Western Australia, and, oh, how's this, right? I'd never even, I'd never even fucking heard of the place until I met this, um, this fucking dude, uh, Pete, who runs the the brewery in the town, I met him at Perth Beer Week when I was doing a gig there for the Perth Fringe. And this comedian, Squirly, who lives up there and does gigs up there. And um, they were like, oh, we're running gigs in Exmouth, you should come up and do do a fucking show. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. And we get up there and I learned that this town was, it's in the middle of the desert, right? It's at the, what do they call it? The Northwest Cape of Western Australia, right? So it's this like little fucking bit that juts out into the ocean and the town is kind of near the point of the Cape. So it takes half an hour to drive from the East Coast to the West Coast of that thing. And um, the town was built there because in the Second World War, there was a big black spot in the US Army's, uh, like there, there were Japanese submarines in the Indian Ocean and they couldn't find them because they didn't have any like radar technology or radar capabilities in that area. So they needed something in that area. So the US government talked to the Australian government and got them to let them set up a huge radar base or some shit at Exmouth, right? In the northwest corner of Australia. <clears throat> and to set that up, it needed to be really long range. So it's like low frequency. So it's this huge setup with all these towers going into the fucking sky. Taller than the Empire State Building. Just these huge metal towers. Like, you know, like girders or whatever. 
And to do that and to have that be continually operational, they needed to set up a whole town there next to it to like so that people could live there, so they get food and, and then for one person to like or for the amount of people that they needed to kind of service that, there was a whole town built and it was 13 hours north of Perth in the middle of the desert with the ocean there and fucking hurricanes. Like what an insane proposition. And so they built this whole town there in the 40s and uh, and now they've got like a telescope there as well. They're looking for fucking extraterrestrial aliens and shit. <laughs> is there a smarter way to say it than that? I'm convinced that I don't think there is, to be honest. Um, so they built this whole town there, and then as it happens, uh, there's this beautiful coral reef along the Cape, and it's one of the best places in the world to see whale sharks. They rock up every year to breed there, I guess, in the summer. It's around this time of the year. Uh, I think Squirly said like May till July, all the whale sharks rock up. But the the Great Barrier Reef is the one that gets, you know, all the press and all the fucking tourism dollars in Australia. So this is kind of like the best kept secret in terms of coral reefs in the fucking country. The, the town is 2,000 people in the tourist season. Apparently it gets up to 6,000 people. But that's it. It's just beautiful beaches, this amazing coral reef. And fucking whale shark tours that you can do. Way cheaper than the Great Barrier Reef. Way less packed and and completely untouched by, you know, hordes of tourists going and visiting it. So we did a gig up there at uh, at the Froth Brewery that um, that these guys run. And they just looked after us like crazy. I mean, Squirly flew us up on the back, you know, on the the hope that we would sell enough tickets for the gig to make that worth it. And that's the only way that, that's the only way that he can do gigs is like, people aren't just going to come to see him because there's 2000 people in the town. He knows everyone and they're not going to just come to see the same guy every week. So the only way that he can be a comedian without traveling 13 hours to Perth is to fly comedians up from other parts of Australia, put on shows and hope that people in the town will come and see that new comedian. And then in doing that, Squirly can put himself on the show and do 15 minutes of new untested material every time. It's like insane, the amount of enterprise that you need to have to live in a place like that and and be a comedian. Um, so he flew us up there and then the froth was so stoked that, that, you know, comedians coming from out of town. So they fed us and they gave us free drink the whole night and, uh, we put on the show. It was a great show, but the day before, so we flew up there on Saturday, uh, Saturday, Arvo, me and Sam from Perth and, uh, we get up there and Squirly had said that he was going to take us out because he used to run something like he used to be a captain of one of the boats taking tourists out to do the whale shark shit so he was like man we'll take you fucking scuba diving not scuba diving sorry that's I keep confusing them scuba diving is the one with the big metal tank and shit snorkeling is the one with the little straw in your mouth um he took us snorkeling on the reef we drove out there he got us gave us some snorkels and and fucking flippers and uh we went out on the reef and this is what i was going to talk about before about so i love childish shit right we get out on the reef and uh, i asked when we were we were just like talking shit on the way out there and i was like he was telling us about how he used to be the captain on this boat and i was like oh man so it would have just been like beautiful european backpackers right and he <laughs> 
squirrely goes. Yeah, man. Like I learned pretty much just uh, keep my mouth shut. And then when they talk to me, just tell them about how the ocean is my passion. <laughs> it's like, brother. That's so funny. <laughs> That's how we would pick up these fucking girls. <laughs> Just be this brooding Australian man, you know, sitting on sitting on the front of the boat, looking out to sea, and when they talk to him, just go, yeah, the ocean is my passion. He's <laughs> actually the funniest cunt. Um, it was uh, the next day when we were in town getting a coffee before we were about to go back to the airport. He was going to drive us back to the airport. He ran into, I guess, like some dude that he knows in the town that he hasn't seen in a while. And the guy goes, so what are you, uh, married and having some kids yet? And Squirly just goes, nah, man, can't get a root. <laughs> the guy was like, yeah, that'll do it, mate. <laughs> That's so funny. But, um, it's so, it, like, so we get out, we get out and do the reef swim and uh, it's beautiful, man. Uh, Sam reckons he saw a sea snake. I didn't get to see the sea snake, but we saw a stingray. Saw a stingray. I was just, I was so glad that we saw the stingray when we did because it wasn't like a huge one, but I guess it's still in the name. It's still called a stingray because it'll fucking sting you. And like a couple minutes before we saw it, I um, I was considering like maybe I'll go down to the bottom and like swim along the bottom, you know? Like it wasn't that. It's probably like a meter or two deep, not really very deep at all, probably two meters deep, and uh, I was like, how cool would it be to swim along the bottom on the sand, you know, because you got the flippers, so I feel, you feel so agile in the water, just kicking your legs, and you're like, Rah! I'm like, I'm a fish, dude, <laughs> and um, so I just started thinking, what if I swam along the bottom, and then we saw the stingray, and it kind of emerged out of the sand, and I was like, oh, fuck no, oh, thank God. God, I didn't swim along the bottom and get fucking Steve Irwin by that stingray. Um, and then I just started thinking about Steve Irwin and how sad that... It's so sad, man. That guy was like... How old was he? What, 14? <laughs> he would... Uh, let me let me see how old Steve Irwin was. I reckon he was like... third. I reckon he was in his 30s. 92 to 2006. 92... What? Oh, no, Terrio. Oh, fuck. 92 to 2006. That's 14 years. Died 2006, 1962 to 2006. So 62, 72, 82, 92. He was 44. Okay. Better. But still, 44, man. It's fucking young. And I was thinking about that stingray that killed him. I was thinking about David Attenborough and, and like how David Attenborough is like kind of like the British Steve Irwin or Steve Irwin is the Australian David Attenborough, you know? Just loves nature, loves everything about the natural world. As I was swimming around in the reef, I was like, the natural, nature is so fucking cool, dude. And I was just thinking how sad it is, because if Steve Irwin had lived, he'd be still making shit for the rest of his life. But then he was the dude who, like, David Attenborough was never out there wrestling crocodiles, was he? He's <laughs> just sipping tea, pointing at him, telling you about how they breed and how it's a, a fucking beautiful dance. Uh, so... We're looking at all the all the um, fish and there's all these... I'm asking squirrely questions. I'm so bad at doing the flipper thing. Like, actually, I guess it's because it wasn't that deep. So it's not like you could just kind of... I was like worried about knocking bits of coral or... St after I saw the stingray, I was scared of even putting my feet on the ground. And 
So I just, whenever I wanted to like empty out the snorkel a little bit or like talk to Squirly, I uh, I was just like flailing around. He was always like, you're right, dude. I was like, yeah, 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 fine. <laughs> and uh, I was asking him questions about all these fish and he knew what they all were. We saw a turtle at one point and uh, we were all swimming behind the turtle. <laughs> beautiful like majestic it was honestly majestic this turtle like i don't know how big it was i want to say it was as big as two laptops <laughs> not open though like closed you know but next to each other <laughs> it was as big as two laptops um how big of a laptop 17 inch so wouldn't you say that it's 34 inches nope two laptops <laughs> I don't use the imperial system. I find it cumbersome and I don't want to encourage the Americans who cling onto it. Um, I swim behind this turtle and it's just like gliding through the, I thought maybe that's as fast as they go, but uh, later Squirly was like, no, when they want to go, they fucking go. So he was just chilling out in front of us, letting me, I swam like kind of over the top of him and I was just like paddling along and, um, because we couldn't, we couldn't really talk to each other. The three of us were kind of swimming behind him and we all just started giving it the finger. We were just like, fuck you, dude. That was how we were. <laughs> it's so funny. That's that juvenile shit, man. Just this beautiful turtle with its like flippers out swimming in the ocean, just like kind of lazily gliding through the water. And then <laughs> three grown men <laughs> swimming behind it just going, fuck you, dude. Fucking stupid turtle cunt. Fuck off, man. Get the fuck out of here, loser. <laughs> if anyone had seen us at that point, they would have been like, these, are the stu these guys are so fucking stupid. <laughs> but it was interesting the fact that Squirly knew all this stuff about... Um, about uh, sorry, I got a bit of a fucking stuffy nose here. The hay fever, man. I just went to a cafe in, in Scarborough and I sat there for like three hours and the lady gave me one of her antihistamines. What a lovely person. After I'd started off buying a fucking $3 tea she and sat there for two hours, she still gave me an antihistamine and I was like, oh, you know what? I might buy a salad. And I did. Um, I thought as we were floating behind that turtle, like... Squarely making that joke about like picking up girls by telling them the ocean is his passion. I was like, the ocean kind of is this guy's passion though. Like he knows so much stuff about the ocean, and and he lives there. And he said later on, he was like, you know, the perfect thing for me would be if I could live in Exmouth but still tour around and be a comedian, but always come back to Exmouth. Like the dude loves it, and he grew up there since he was like eight, I think he said. And um, it's a small town, but he just loves living there and being next to the sea and. It's interesting that the ocean is his passion, but he would never just say that to the boys because it's like a weird thing to just offer up apropos of nothing. Like, well, guys, before we go swimming, I just want to let you know that the ocean's actually my passion. <laughs> like, it's a real lame thing to say, but that's kind of the unwritten rules of, like, masculinity is, like, if you hide it behind a story about sleeping with backpackers, then it's like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> the ocean's not really my passion I just like pussy bro and I mean look we all like <laughs> oh god I'm not gonna say it sorry everyone sorry sorry <sighs> I wonder how many times I apologise every week on the podcast for saying some vulgar shit 
Is it every week? I reckon it'd probably be every week. This is what happens when I let myself go without, you know, any person around me to give me like looks of consternation and bring me up and f- talking like an idiot. I start <laughs> saying, I've got a passion for pussy. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I went to this cafe today. I've been in, uh, I, I flew into Perth on, oh man. The last day in uh, in Melbourne before I flew to Perth was just a fucking nightmare. I got my bag, uh, thankfully, which I'm real happy about, actually. This $300 bag that I got, it's, uh, I'm a little bit worried that it's going to be too big for carry-on in some like budget airlines, but so far, Qantas and Tiger haven't had any problems, but we'll see when I go to Europe. I might have to be paying a little bit more. I don't know. I fuck I hope that doesn't happen. But... Um, Fits everything so comfortably. And if you can check in online, they never have the chance to weigh. That's the thing, hey. If you can do online check-in, they're never weighing your shit. As long as you make it look like you're not struggling to carry it along and not, like, dragging it along the floor, um, then I should be okay if I don't have to look anyone in the eye and lie to them and tell them that it weighs seven seven kilos. But, um... That day, like, I just, I don't know, I was just in a bad mood. Fucking Spurs uh, lost uh, the first leg fucking at Ajax in the semifinals of the Champions League. I woke up at 4.40 to go and watch us fucking lose and play like shit. <sighs> then went and had a coffee and uh, and went home. Slept all day and that put me in a bad mood and, you know. And then my flight was delayed, which meant I could do gigs, but I just, ah, oh, it was just bad, right? The flight was supposed to be at 9.40 p.m. And they delayed it until half past midnight, which got further delayed. We didn't take off until 2 a.m. And I got to Perth at fucking, you know, 4 in the morning. And I had radio at 9 in Perth. Um, Shout-outs to Angie for putting me on her fucking radio show. That was awesome. Spirit FM. Had a lot of fun doing that. And uh, but I, So I got into Perth at 4 a.m. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go to my mate's house where I'm staying now. He'd offered to pick me up from the airport, but couldn't do it. So I just slept at the airport for four hours. <coughs> Does that stay in? That yeah, probably stays in. Um, yeah, slept at the airport for four hours and uh, went and did the radio. I mean, yeah, it was all fine. But like, I was just so fucking tired that day. And then that afternoon, we had to drive four hours to Margaret River for the first gig. Um, I don't know why I started telling this story, to be honest. But the point is, I've been very tired for a lot of the time I was in Perth. And uh, today was the first day that I like got some decent night's sleep last night, wasn't drunk, woke up this morning, went to this cafe, and uh, I had that song fucking, uh, dancing is what to do, dancing's when I think of you, dancing's what clears my soul, dancing's what makes me whole. That's exactly how it goes, perfect singing, fuck you, dancing by Aaron Smith, <laughs> um, that's the song for this week. What a fucking tune, man. We were sitting around last night watching memes and shit on YouTube, uh, like people who don't really have any aspirations to watch anything decent. Uh, imagine having the whole internet at your disposal and what you choose to watch is is fat people falling off motorbikes. God damn it. I remember when I used to live in West Footscray and... Uh, some of the crew that we used to live with would fucking, on a Saturday night, would just sit around 
drink and watch fail compilations on YouTube. I mean, I, I used to hate that so much. And not even go out. Just sit at the house in West Footscray, watch those videos, drink, and then go to bed. Oh, and I used to fucking, I used to like look down my nose at my fucking old, uh, like great uncle or whatever, my grandma's sister's husband, this fucking German dude who used to love Australia's funniest home videos. He would lose his shit. He'd go red in the face, <laughs> laughing at it like a fucking psycho, Uncle Max. That guy was a dick, actually. But, um, yeah, he, uh, it's just like he was a maniac and, and we were all like, oh, he's so weird laughing at funniest home videos. Look where we're at now. We're watching the equivalent of that, but it's not even one of the five channels on TV. We have the entire internet at our disposal and that's what we're choosing to watch. You could watch fucking Citizen Kane and you'd be a cunt, but like, do you know what I mean? Like there's so much good shit out there. Why a fail? It's just because it's like the short attention span thing, I guess. The only thing now is, do those people who own those channels make a lot of money, those fail compilations? Because back in the day, at least they used to hire some guy to do the stupid voices. Do they have, I don't know if they had that in other countries, but remember the fucking Australian dude in Funniest Home Videos? And there was like the silly videos with the like, like the fucking sound effects and the guy talking over the top of it like, hey dad, watch me ride this bike. It's like, that's a video of a kid breaking his neck. And everyone goes, ah, stupid voices. That's a bit of fun. At least they used to pay a guy to do that. Now, there's no guy who does that. I guess they just, yeah, the, the channels who make those videos probably make a fair bit of money. That was like a viable career path for a bit, to be the guy who does the dumb voices on Funniest Home Videos. That guy was probably a struggling comedian or like a voice actor or whatever. And he would be so ashamed to tell his friends that that's what he did. Or maybe he was just a drug dealer and he did that on the side and everyone thought he was awesome. <sighs> that song was one of the um, one of the songs on the videos. Dancing is what to do. Dancing's what I think of you. Dancing's what clears my soul. Dancing's what makes me whole. It's a great song to... Like, it's got a level of irony, you know, if you've got, a, like, a video of a kid dancing on a trampoline, put that to it, and it's, like, it's suddenly cuter. And it's also just a great song. You know what, though? Looked up all the... Make sure you get the Chrono remix, which sounds like a nightmare. That's... <laughs> it's very hard to be recommending something that's called the Chrono remix. <laughs> but, um... Some of the other remixes, boy, are they fucking trash. The Laid Back Luke remix. I used to like listening to Laid Back Luke 10 years ago, going clubbing. Laid Back Luke was the fucking guy. This beat is right on time. Is right on time. That was a fucking tune. That was Laid Back Luke. I listened to his fucking remix of that dancing song. What a nightmare. What an absolute fucking... Uh, what a smear on the stain that is uh, the music, whatever. <laughs> End of that sentence. I hated it is the point. Oh, fuck, I hated it so much. And all these other remixes. And then I listened to the original. I was like, maybe I like that. Nope. Maybe I like the ones from 2006. No, no. Isn't that 
quite wild that a song can come out so many different times and it's the same, like it's the chick singing and it's the same melody and the same everything. But I guess because like maybe I would have liked it in 2006 when that was the style. The, the the remix that came out in 2006 that was like the big one in the European summer or whatever. Yeah, I did a bit of reading into this track, bro. That came out and it was like a pretty, it was a more straight up house remix. It wasn't, it didn't have the harmonies that are kind of in vogue in like Deep House now. Um, and maybe in 2006 I would have liked it when that was the music du jour. But now looking back, I don't like it. Isn't that wild? That, that my tastes are so influenced with what is like the current, you know, trend that I can, I can honestly believe, like, how did it take them 15 years to, or 10, 10 years or whatever to finally get this song right, to, to get the perfect backing harmonically to match this melody. But it's probably not, it probably didn't take them 10 years. That's just what's good now, so that's what I like, you know? What a one-hit wonder, though. There's nothing on fucking... Oh, boy, there's nothing on about these, about these guys on Wikipedia. This is... Uh, Aaron Smith, here's Aaron Smith's whole entire Wikipedia entry. Aaron J. Simpson Smith is a house music DJ slash remixer. <laughs> what do you do? I'm a remixer <laughs> from Chicago, Illinois, USA. He is best known for recording a track called Dancing, which features female vocalist Lovely, spelled L-U-V-L-I. Just to let everyone know, hey, I'm stupid. That's a bit harsh. Although the track was recorded in 2004, it would finally take on a life of its own by the summer of 2005 with the JJ Flores and Steve Smooth remix as a major club hit in Europe and take off in a big way on dance radio stations where it would debut at number 21 on Billboard's Hot Dance Airplay chart the week ending January 2nd, 2006. In 2013, the song gained a new wave of popularity after the producer Chrono, all capitals, remixed the song under the Ultra Music Makako label. <laughs> in December 2018, the Dancing remix by Chrono was popular once again because of a wave of new internet memes. So there we go. That's why I found it. Because once again, I'm flitting about on the whims of fancy and popular culture with no mind or decision-making process of my own. Get your ass on YouTube and listen to Dancing, man. That fucking video clip is good with the mannequins and the, and the, the very camp security guard dancing in an abandoned strip mall. It's great stuff. Oh, on uh, on Friday night, maybe the highlight, yeah, maybe the highlight so far of this trip in WA. Oh, I don't know. Telling that turtle to go fuck itself was pretty sick, but uh, Friday night I emceed this speed dating event called Fating in Willoughby, um, in the south of Perth, just kind of near like Fremantle. Um, the <laughs> So a couple of ladies came to my show that uh, they in Perth Fringe, right? They came and saw a showcase that I was on. I gave them free tickets to my show. They came to my show and then I matched with one of them on Tinder. And we got chatting and uh, it turns out we have a very similar story about never having met our biological fathers. Um, she met hers when like made contact with him when she was 23 and has this crazy story. It was wild. Um, so we bonded over that and then I was leaving. So there was no chance of it being like a romantic thing. But uh, she told me she was setting up this speed dating events company and uh, the idea was to have it hosted by comedians and and drag queens. And um, she goes, you're at least one of those. 
Do you want to come and host the first one? And I, that was the week that I was coming to Perth anyway. So fuck yeah, done. So I went and hosted it, did some comedy up the top, and then uh, it was great, man. Oh, my God. The fucking gorgeous women that they somehow convinced to go to this event. It was absurd. It made me think maybe speed dating is... This is an untapped resource for the single men out there, honestly. Like, they said the same thing up in Exmouth. Apparently, they had a speed dating event, and it was just, like, 70% women. They were, couldn't give the tickets away to guys. I think that is because dudes are so, like... There's a there's a reluctance to ask for help in all areas of life for guys, but especially in dating, it's so there's so much pride in like being able to fucking find a girl, talk to a girl, and you know it's like I feel like in 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 a way that's how we measure ourselves as men is like having the confidence to go and talk to a girl, and I don't need any fucking help to do it. Whereas girls, it's just like, they're, they're just exasperated that there's no good guys out there and they're willing to do what it takes to find them. I think that, <laughs> so all these fucking gorgeous women who somehow are still single because men are pieces of shit are happy to go to this speed dating event. And even the one in Perth as well, they were trying to give the tickets away to guys. And uh, a few guys, there was a, like a big, like a pack of women. One of these girls was on The Bachelor. And she would not shut up about it. <laughs> oh man, that <laughs> that was the that was like uh, she was probably uh, I'm not gonna say the worst conversation that I had there. There were a few that were like pretty meh, but um, it wasn't a great conversation that I had with her. That was very much just like. You know the kind of person that when you talk, they just want to, they just want to tell you the kind of person that they are. I guess it's like just talking about yourself, but it was no stories. It wasn't like interesting, funny things to me. She was just like, "Yeah, I'm pretty," you know. Like I'd say it. She literally goes, "I just tell it how it is," you know. I'm just straight up with you. I'm like, "God damn it, that's the most brutal thing anyone could do." I just tell it how it is. Fuck, you're so brave, dude. Listen to you telling it how it is now about how great you are. Fuck yeah. You, I'm very impressed. Mission successful. Mission, mission successful. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Who the fuck says mission successful? Anyway, so, but yeah, there were a few fucking, um, I was emceeing the thing, so I was just doing comedy and then sitting back watching people do the speed dating. They kind of encouraged me to like butt in on people's conversations. But I was like, no, I don't want to do that. But, um... Everyone there was so fucking cool. I had some great chats with people. Um, and then we, like, it kind of devolved from, like, the first four. <clears throat> so there was, like, there was, like, I guess, like, 30, 40 people there, something like that. And um, there was, like, the dates were, like, you know, three or four minutes long. So the first bit, I did 10 minutes of comedy, and then there were, like, four dates. And then a break, everyone just has some drinks. And then I did five minutes of comedy and then another section of dates. People are getting a bit drunk by this point, starting to call out. <clears throat> it's a bit more loose, the format and everything, and, uh, and more drinks. And then the last section, I did a bit more comedy, people just heckling and shouting out. And, and, and then by the end of that, it was just like a free-for-all. People were just talking to whoever. And, uh, and then we put some music on, started dancing, went to a club, started dancing more. All the dudes, myself included, were in a very bullish mood. So everyone was just buying drinks and, you know, buying shots and stuff. And, uh, and then at some point I got like more drunk than I 
could really remember and I think I got kicked out of the club and the bouncers came and told the chicks who were running the event how your friend got kicked out and they were like oh sweet and they gave me a key to their house and I went to their house and fucking just passed out great really great night I would absolutely recommend speed dating to anyone (laughs) (laughs) i think that's it i think that's the podcast thank you guys once again for listening if you're in perth this friday i'm doing a show at the craft i'm doing a reprisal of my show 52 days that i did in the perth fringe and all around australia this year i'm doing it at the craft tickets are 10 bucks i think or maybe they're 12 i think they're 12 on the door and 10 bucks pre-booked and if you're in Perth, you're going to see that shit because it's going to be coming out in, in the West. I've got a profile coming out on Wednesday or Thursday. So you're going to read about it and you're going to be like, oh, that looks so cool. Why didn't I know about this before? It's because you didn't listen to the end of my fucking podcast, stupid. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Have a great day. This has been Aiden Taco Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. Oh,